Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Last week we were talking a little bit about some of the dynamics that Peter had between the Lord and himself. And even how this points, directs into the maturing of our identity, what it looks like to really walk with the Lord. And this week, I feel like there's something really cool at the very end of it. It's almost like it's going gonna, it's gonna to carry on the end of John. And, and hopefully you can follow my, my thought track. I think if you've been here long enough, you know it's different. And so, but it'll come together, hopefully, you know. Um, but I was, I was considering that very last scene of Jesus on the beach, coming in, in, in forms constantly in ways that his disciples wouldn't recognize him initially. But then he would manifest himself in some sort of way that'd be like, it's him, you know. And um, whether it's, you know, the Emmaus Road in Luke 24 and looking like a gardener to Mary and them and um, showing up in, in their rooms in John 20 when they're by themselves, cooking breakfast on the beach this last time. And him kind of resetting Peter's mindset to understand that he had never been disqualified even though the Lord had known what was in his heart. And then you have the youngest of the disciples, John, who's kind of tagging along as Jesus and him are walking down the beach, it seems, having this conversation. And um, it's almost like Peter towards John has, has the vibe of like the annoying little brother, in a sense. And also the little brother who deliberately annoys his older brother in some of the things that he writes. Recognized him first on the beach before Peter jumped in the water, raced him to the tomb, got there first because I'm faster, more athletic, you know, whatever it could be. But there's things in John's book that are written not by an annoying little brother, but they're very important for us to see because it is it's some of the most important things that we could see concerning the Lord Jesus. Amen. You know, John has this encounter with the Lord where he's literally caught up in the Spirit. He has this technicolor prophetic experience with Jesus that we call the book of Revelation, you know, where he, he, he actually sees him in a state that he had never seen him before. Even though he had seen him on the Mount of Transfiguration, he sees him in a, on a level and in a way that he had never seen before and even falls down like he's about to die, even seeing his best friend, his closest, his closest friend that he'd ever had. And uh, it's, it's wonderful because Jesus, obviously, he says, hey, you know, get up. You're okay. If you read the book of Revelation, how he introduces himself. But John comes back, and I fully believe, I really believe, and a lot of people do. It, it, it's kind of up for debate, but that John was written after the Revelation experience. It doesn't have to be that way, but I, I, I really think that it is that way. And, and he literally starts John off just like we see Gen- Genesis started. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. You know what I mean? It's like he's, he's the Son of God is the Word of God who was also with God in the beginning before time and space. It's like somehow he simultaneously is God, but he's also with God. In other words, this God of ours is far more than we've ever realized. Amen. Right? And so he... He, he starts to establish, just like it speaks of in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens 
and the earth, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and how he created. And he just, he takes that truth and he expounds on it, that all things were made through him, this word of God, like by him, like Jesus is the God of Genesis. And, but he was also with the God of Genesis. And so there's a mind bender that we, that we enter into this Christianity, this brotherhood that we have with these people that have walked with him for three years and their minds continuously being unlocked to, oh my gosh. And I felt it even worship, you know. Yeah. I felt it even today in worship, this, this reality that Thomas goes and touches the Lord's side in his hand in, in a room after Jesus has been crucified eight days earlier. And he looks at him, he says, my Lord and my God. And it's just like, you're both of these things. And I don't, I, but, I'm, but I know that you're omnipresent and you're everywhere, but I'm touching you right now. And there's a multi-dimensional thing happening. God's bigger than we've ever imagined, and he's closer than we've ever imagined. And he's even said that it's better that I go away because then I'm going to be on the inside of you. And so, like, how can this, this, these eternal, this word of God is our reality, and it's so immense, but sometimes it's, it's looked so um, passively. You know, it's, it's neglected how, how important this stuff is. And these guys are, are literally watching Jesus be taken away, floating you know, into the clouds. And angels have to show up and say, hey, buddies, <laughs> didn't he say, go get down to, to, to a room, an upper room? And he's got something, Terry and Drew, you know. And they say, oh, hey, hey, hey. you know, they're so bugged out that angels showed up, you know, wearing all white, you know. And, and, and that's not even as big of a deal because they're, they're realizing you're here, but you're everywhere. And there's sometimes, there's some points in worship like today where I feel like, I feel like I'm hugging you and you're hugging me, but it's like, you're a person, but you're like, whoa, way bigger. And you're holding up everything with the word of your power right now. It's just, it just blows the mind if we actually start to realize it and he's in us. And this is like pure and true theology and there's no escaping it. And so John is closing his Bible with this. He has extra stories and extra insights in it because he was the closest of all of them. He'd been into the heavens. You know what I'm saying? The book of Revelation. But the, he's, he's one of those, have you ever been in a message and, and, and maybe even here where the pastor says, all right, and I'm going to close with this. And then he talks for 10 more minutes. <laughs> and then he closes. I apologize for doing that um, sometimes. And you're like, dang, dude, I'm hungry. You know, uh, but John does that in, his, in a book. It's like, dude, you, you could have edited that. But it was, it's our scripture, and it was allowed to be there. You know, He closes John 20 after Thomas touches him, my Lord and my God, and he's like, blessed are you. You've seen this, but blessed are the ones who haven't seen. And it says, truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which aren't written in this book. But these are written just so that you might believe that he's the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you would have life in his name. In other words, there's so much more that's not being included here. This is to get you to connect to him and believe in him. And then the sky isn't even the limit from there. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's purposely closing the Gospels with an unlimited ending. Yeah. You know what I mean? And th in other words, and, and this, my friends, is just the start. Yeah. Right. We got statues of these guys in our churches. We call them all these different things. And, but their words are saying, hey, this is just the start. Connect to him. There's no limit. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's good. 
But then he goes and he tells the beach story, cooking breakfast on the beach. You know, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me three times? And he closes that book again with a very similar thing that he says. There are many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself couldn't contain the books that would be written. Amen. Then he puts amen on the end of it. Like, okay, I'm officially done, guys. You know what I mean? But it's like, this is the disciple who testifies of these things, which is really weird wording. It's annoying little brother wording, to be honest, but it's not. It's not. It, would, it could seem like that to Peter, maybe. But I'm testifying, this is all true, and there's so much more that the world couldn't contain the books that would be written if they were all written out. You know, some of the translations, the world wouldn't actually be able to receive it. Because we're not in a Dr. Seuss uh, book, you know, how many books could stack till the world couldn't, you know, come on. Like, they, the world couldn't, it couldn't even, they wouldn't even be able to receive or deal. This is just some of the stuff that we want to communicate to you because it's way more than this. Yeah. But this is gets you started and then your mind becomes unlocked knowing him. Yeah. It's really interesting. Amen. But John moved through life with this unlocked mind mentality after the cross, Right? It's, if you get, well, Jesus is talking to Peter at the end of John, and he's telling him that eventually you're going to be arrested and drug away as well. He's telling Peter that, <laughs> by the, and by the way, <laughs> you know, this is going to happen to you. Um, and when he spoke this, he said, follow me. It says then in verse 20, then Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him, who had leaned on his breast at the Last Supper, and had said, Lord, who's the one who portrayed you? You know, the, the Judas deal. And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, well, hey, what about this man? Yeah. To which Jesus says, if I will that he remain till I come, this is Jesus talking about John, if I will that he remain till I come, what's that to you? You follow me. It says, this saying, this is John 21, 23, this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what's that to you? And this is the disciple that writes these things. And there's many other things that Jesus did that if they were written, the world couldn't even deal with it. And that's how he ends his book. It's almost like, you know, stepbrothers you know, kind of talking trash at each other. Jesus has restored Peter. I've created you to be this great leader. Oh, and by the way, this is going to happen at the end of your life. It's going to go dark, but you're going to win. John's tagging along, the little brother. He's, he's, he's creeping in, getting in on the conversation. And he's like, well, what about him, man? I got to do that. Well, what's he got to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? These guys are hilarious. He's like, hey, man. If, I, if my will is for him to remain until I return, what's it to you? You just follow me. You, it's like, if you have kids, it's like, hey, you worry about you, okay? And if, yeah, a lot of parents in here, that's kind of what that was. Look, buddy, you worry about what you're supposed to do. You follow me. And then there was a rumor that went out that John would never die, which I think is great because our Bible says that, you know. But if you can see it, John is the only one who stayed through the cross with Jesus. You know, he was the one at the end of John 
or at the end of crucifixion, and he's recording it about the women that were standing at the cross. All the disciples fled, but apparently John came back when everybody else was hiding out. Because at the cross, when you look in John 19, it says, when Jesus saw his mother and, here's the title, it's, so, it's funny to me, and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he looked at him and he said, hey, behold your mom. In other words, he's going to take care of you when I'm gone. And John, you're going to take care of her when I'm gone. You know what I mean? It's very sweet. But the truth is that John was actually there. He's the one disciple that went through the crucifixion with the Lord. You know, he was the closest one there. You know, you got the Apostle Paul coming back, and he reckons he was there somehow. Even though he didn't, he wasn't even around. But he even says those things, Galatians 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's not longer I who live, but, but Christ who lives in me. He's learned this religion that is Christianity, which is reckon yourself as dead unto sin. You're not who you once were. You were crucified with him. He died once and for all. All these writings of Paul, you went through it there too. Sounds like John literally went through it there. And there was distinguishing things about John compared to the rest of the crew. And, um, you know, you've heard me, many of you, when I was in college my second or third year at a school that I was at, it was secular, it wasn't like a Christian college, but I was so hungry for the Lord. I just became a Christian maybe a year or two before that, and like I was just, I would devour stuff, and I went to my school library on the weekend because, you know, I was literally just hungry, and I thought, man, I knew they had, a, they had a religious section. It was upstairs. It was probably like one aisle, you know, one or two, you know, little rows. But I remember finding the Fox's Book of Martyrs that was printed in like the 1500s, and I found that book, and I started reading it, and it's just like, you know, it talks about these things. You know, Peter was crucified upside down. I'm like, oh, you know, this James got run through with a sword, or this guy got beheaded. And I'm like, oh, man, what happened to this guy, John the Baptist, what happened it's saying all these things, and it's just like, ah, I, I, I didn't have a good taste in my mouth. But when I got to this guy, the guy writing this book, John, it talks about how he was sentenced to death, and he was boiled in a cauldron of oil. And it's just like, wow, that's gruesome. Dipping somebody in some oil just to, to, to make their flesh come off. You know what I mean? And I don't know how they put them in like those big Iron Man cow. Did you go to uh, Medieval Times as a field trip as a kid? traumatized me sixth grade I remember walking through the torture devices like oh my gosh you should kids should not go to that anyways and 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 anyways I just imagine him getting inside this little little jail cell thing that's about the size of his body getting dipped into boiling pot so they could pull him up and just look at his bones afterwards you know what I mean the skin come off and oh, you know all this you know you think about it right but but he didn't get burnt it's like he got lowered into the oil and then he came up out of it and he was fine it didn't affect them. <laughs> you want to talk about a rumor that's in our Bible. Yeah. These sayings went out that this disciple would God wouldn't die, but Jesus didn't say he wouldn't die. It's actually in our Bible. Yeah. And the one who went through the cross, crucified with Christ, you know what I'm saying? The, that one happened to be the one they were having trouble killing. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you couldn't kill the guy. And so when I, when I took that book, I was like, okay, so that's the one I want to be like. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> the, the unkillable. 
you know? That's good. Paul's talking about taking communion. Some are sick and some are weak and some go to sleep. People die of unnatural causes and it's because they don't take communion with reverence. They don't understand what Jesus did for them. That's what the Bible says. First Corinthians 11. You know, he's like, it's like, what? It's like, these people aren't dying of the stuff we're dying of. You know what I mean? They had to be killed. They had to be taken out uh, because they wouldn't die because they were in this new covenant and it was very, very real to them. And they understood it. And then there's John on the next, <laughs> on a different level getting boiled. You know, I can just imagine going into that oil just like, just imagine getting lowered into that mug. Just, just the boil. And you, he come out of that, that stuff, that grease is all over his face. You know what I mean? His eyes can't be open. He's just, he's like expecting like, ah, he's expecting the, all the angels to be singing and all the boys to be there like, yeah, what's up? You made it there. This was better than yours. Like, well, I got hung upside down. Da-da-da-da. You know, they all competed about everything. They, they laughed when they got beat up. Honestly, in the book of Acts, they're like, yeah, I got whipped worse than you. Like, ah, you know, the way they were, they counted it as these, as, as this, you know, clout and and he's coming up like getting ready like yeah i don't hear the trumpets yet there's some oil in my ears and kind of looking around like oh man i'm still i'm still here <laughs> like dang and everybody's looking at freaked out at him and he's looking like what's the deal you know wiping that stuff off his face you know so then they sent him off to uh australia you know a patmos the island that's the way australia was right it was a big prison they used to mail prisoners there anyways patmos was the same thing and that's where he goes and he has the book of Revelation happen to him. He was in the spirit on what day? On this day, on Sunday. You know, he, it's like he was in the spirit. And, and then he has Jesus come with flaming eyeballs and seven stars and all these, <laughs> this like cosmic, you know, <coughs> deity. That's like, it's so great and, aw- and awesome that he like falls out like a dead man. And Jesus has to come up and say, hey, buddy, it's me. You know, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. I'm eternal, and by the way, I was dead, but I'm back. Like, it, like I, yeah, and I'm the guy that died, you know? You know what I'm saying? It's just like, but I'm alive forevermore. It's like, he's waking, waking them up to like, yeah. And he sends them back, and he's writing this stuff for us. And this is what his book talks about. Yeah. Yeah. A couple chops right there. That's, yeah, that's good. When, it's, when the anointing is present, <laughs> you get a couple hits, little chops. Um, hey, but um, anyhow, but I would think this, you know, and I would, you know, I would, as a kid, I would watch these Star Wars movies. I would think like, man, like you, I want to be so, how do you get to this level? Do you memorize the Bible? Well, you walk with the Lord. Like, yeah, but what does that look like? You know, is it a meditation thing? You know what I'm saying? Is this a manifestation thing? A manifest and believe that you've received and manifested. And all this is true. It's the teaching of Jesus. Um, but there was these aspects of the way he thought that was outside of the limits of a regular person. And some of the things he recorded, like when Jesus got in the, you know, got stern-ish with uh, Martha, you know, in, in John 11. And, and he's saying, like, I am the resurrection and the life. I am life. Like, I'm contagious with something else. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall live. And by the way, whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. He said some things like this that we can't just brush under the rug. Well, there must be some context to that. But then think about the author that's putting that in his Gospels and the rumors about said author. And then some of the historical accounts of how he didn't die when they tried to kill him. It's real. 
It's interesting, though. But it's like, could Psalm 91, could these things not just be metaphoric? Could they be real to us? Like, hey, we're, we're called to live an indestructible life. Well, that's offensive because of martyrs and all and all this. Like, I, I understand that. But there's just things we can't get around that Jesus has spoke, that he's communicated. And it's, it's that John is talking about and bringing back up. That it makes me um, want to know how do you tap into the source of that level of life? And it's knowing him. Amen. But it's like, I'll tell you what, we are in the midst of a massive identity crisis in the world. Yeah. Identity is the new thing, man. And it's, it's a very hot topic. It really is. It's just like, you've got to be something. You know, obviously as a Christian, if you're really a Christian, you're looking at stuff like, you know, there is no male, female, Greek, Hebrew. You know, it's like, hey, we're, we're, we're something else. But everybody wants to identify with something that divides them or separates themselves from others. And it's, in, it's so very strange. But one thing when I look back at John and something that we would think like, well, that's kind of annoying, but it's not annoying, is he constantly calls himself and Jesus looked down at the disciple that he loved. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, why do you talk like that about yourself? Can't you just say me? You know, it's weird enough that Jesus spoke in the third person, like the Son of Man must, da, 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 da. that's strange enough. But we can kind of understand that. He's speaking as a human, as God, but also as one who's living by the Spirit, whose Spirit is talking out. And it's almost like there's two people in the picture, and there is two people in the picture. But, but, but what's this, the disciple that Jesus loved? You know what I mean? What's this? Peter looked back, and Peter's reading this. If I'm Peter, I'm reading this like, man, John, you're a punk, dude. <laughs> Peter's, when he's being restored... And Peter says, well, what about him? Well, what? When he saw the disciple that Jesus loved, i like, first off, that's not what I called you, John. <laughs> but honestly, John is, that's how John is titling himself. When he saw the disciple Jesus loved. And then at the end he says, and by the way, I'm the one that wrote this. It's like, yeah, we get it. But the reason that this is written this way is because it's Scripture and it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's not somebody that's just being weird and religious. We experience enough of that. But that's not what's happening here. It's somebody who's not even identifying themselves, speaking of identity crisis, he's identifying himself with the love of God as his personal identity. You know what I'm saying? That's who I am first and foremost, is the beloved of God. It is, it is the baptism of Jesus himself. This is my beloved. The voice came out, the dove drops down, the voice you see Father, Spirit, and Son in one picture. This is the Beloved. But it's this demonstration of this is humanity. This is my Son. You've been crucified with Him. You've been buried with Him. You're being baptized with Him. This is for all of you to see. And this is before He's done a single thing. This is Jesus just showing up. He hasn't been crucified. He hasn't, he hasn't healed nobody that we know of. He hasn't done anything that we know of. Maybe some tricks around His mom. She obviously knew He has some powers because um, of the wine deal. But, but it's like, you know, this is my beloved. It's like, this is the identity that you're being immersed into. And John was getting it as one crucified with Christ, like, I am the beloved of God. Yeah. And Solomon's name was Jedediah. That's what the prophet literally came to David, like, yeah, hey, his name's Jedediah. Like, cool, his name's Jedediah. Call him Solomon. I never, I still don't understand that. But he caused a ton of trouble for the nation and steered in a really bad direction. Um, 
But man, the stuff that's written about Solomon, the supernatural weirdness that that dude got into. Talk about who built the pyramids and stuff like that. Just some of the old writings that talk about the way he actually built Solomon's temple, some of the supernatural beings that he forced to actually lift some things. But let's go ahead and back up from me saying that right there. As interesting that is, um, beep, beep, beep. That's that truck backing up. Anyhow, Jedediah, the beloved son, it's like this, this marker, this identity that it's like there's nothing left to prove. You've, you're fully accepted in this, in this reality. And John has come to this identity. Like that's who I am first and foremost. And that's a person that's not wanting for anything or needing for anything. He's not looking to have needs met. He is looking to be a conduit of which God flows through. And it's really, it's really interesting to me. That was a marker of his, and it was the love of God. It wasn't how much he meditated on Patmos. It wasn't how much he maybe prayed faster or got hold of some scrolls and memorized them. It was none of those things. He associated himself with the love of God. His, his true, the, at the core, he was fully accepted. He was doing nothing to gain acceptance from anyone. Can you imagine being that free? That's the, the fear of man that proves to be a snare. Having no fear of man to where your confidence level is, rests on nothing natural, but how, how favored and loved you are by God and covered by Him. And that opens the doors. Yeah, I read this week in closing. I'll close with this. How about that? Uh, in, um, in Mark 10, and it's so great to see this. This, this beggar, this guy that was begging... Um, Bartimaeus, so some call him blind Bartimaeus. You know, you hear, you hear the term. And it's Jesus is literally heading to Jerusalem because he's going to give himself for all of us. And the disciples are really worried because it's like they're, they're the way it says he was going before them and they were amazed at him. How, how resolute he was to get Jerusalem. Because it's like, hey, this is a really bad idea. Like, they're trying to kill you every time you come into the scene now. We have to hide in the little towns. We, have, we duck in and we duck out, right? We've talked about these things. But, like, you're on the way, like a warpath, not, not caring at all. But it's because he was going for, the, for his true goal that no one really saw. If the rulers of this world, the principalities and powers, the spiritual hosts of wickedness would have known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory, right? Second two, first Corinthians two, uh, eight. And so he's doing that. They have no clue. He's on an absolute mission. He finally sees the end zone and he's running for it. But as he's going, uh, when they come to Jericho, there was a great multitude um, of, of, uh, that was there. But it says, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. So he sat there because, you know, Jericho is a very wealthy area. It's nice. It's kind of like San Diego. So he's there, and, and he's sitting by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth coming, he began to cry out and yell, Jesus, son of David, the title of the Messiah, have mercy on me. It says many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Didn't ask him. They warned him. So they threatened him, right? Custom, like you, you never raise your voice at a rabbi, by the way. You know, luckily, the king doesn't hold himself with that arrogance and piousness 
of the rabbis or pastors or whatever you want to call them. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can yell at him and he's fine with it. Well, that's dishonoring God. It's like, yeah, he loves you more than anything you can throw at him. And he proved that, ripping his beard out. So anyhow, so, so they warn this guy, hey, stop yelling out, stop yelling after him. Like, be quiet or we're going to make you be quiet. And, he, and it says he got even louder. He, he shouted out all the more. But it says that Jesus stood still. Remember, his disciples are amazed at the resolute you know, march that this guy is making, not knowing, but he knows he's about to rescue the entire creation. You know what I mean? They're playing right into his hands. He's got to go through something dark. Do you think he felt a sense of pressure to get there? It's okay. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, he ended up sweating blood a few days later. I think there was some serious pressure on him. Um, but he stops what he's doing, and he waits, on, he waits on him, and he commanded that he would be called. So they called the blind man and saying, well, be of good cheer. Today's your lucky day. We're not going to hit you in the mouth for, for screaming at him. Um, he's calling. He's calling you. Verse 50, it says, and throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Rabboni, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. My power has made you well. Yeah, but he said, your faith has made you well. You've placed it in, you've put your faith in the right spot. You've done it. It says, and he said, go your way. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus on his way. I love that. It says the road, but it means way. Uh, uh, instantly, Bartimaeus is a disciple. Instantly, he's following him. Come on. Instantly, he's, skirt. that's repentance. That's, I was blind, but now I see. It's, it's all these things right here in front of us. But it's the most beautiful thing. Because once he, he couldn't see him, but he perceived that he was there. And this is so many people. He's always there. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And, um, but his belief connected to the heart of God, which honors faith, and is loving and compassionate. And um, have you ever been uh, kind of busy or had a lot of pressure on you? And it caused you to be a little bit short with people or not as polite. Yeah. We're talking about something about to be sweating blood, buying the whole place, buying the whole, you know, remember it's like a, the kingdom is like Matthew 13, 44. It's great treasure that's hidden in a field. So he keeps it secret and goes, gives everything he possibly has for it so that he could buy it. Yeah. That's what Jesus is doing. He's keeping it secret. He knows what's coming down the pipes for him. Yeah. Bartimaeus is like, dude, if you can see this, this life is a, is a vapor. It is a breath compared to the eternal kingdom. It really is. What's a breath? <sighs> That's the timestamp of this entire life compared to the eternal purpose that we have in him. Mm -hmm. it's, and, it's, and it's true. It's, and it's in the Bible. Amen. So it could be like, Bartimaeus, you just have to trust me. I'm going to redeem you and everybody else. You think you have a bad life, but it's going to be over basically in a breath. I just need to do this. I don't have time to listen. I'm so focused. I'm thinking about how much this is going to cost and hurt and pain, but 
but it's the joy that's set before me. So I'm just, I've got to go. My face is like Flint, but guess what? It's like, I'll stop what I'm doing. It's not a businessman in a meeting. This is somebody, this is the, the eternal king saving the entire planet. I'll stop with what I'm doing and wait on you as I'm walking through your zone because I recognize your faith is connecting to me. So the son of man who's the son of God, he's the God man, is there if you can see this, but also the father is there who honors faith and Jesus is there who is the, as he personally calls himself in the book of Revelation, I am the amen. I am the one in whom, you know, the scriptures that we literally have, all of the promises of God are yes, and they are amen in him. Yes. He is the ultimate yes to the reversal of all things concerning the fall. And he stops what he's doing. And he waits because somebody's faith has entered into his zone to actually connect to him. And it's there, you know. And um, I mean, it's just, there's something so much bigger outside of this brief existence, you know. Jesus' goal in the scene is so much higher, right? And longer reaching. But he still takes the time in this little slice of space and time, stops what he's doing in response to someone's faith connecting to him. You know? Yeah, I think that's just, that really affected me this week. Yeah. This was the Son of God and this was God. The nature of God to give and to give life superseded His plan. He could not, He never violated who He was. As the Son of God, He was on a mission to redeem everything, but as God in the flesh, He, was, he could not violate someone coming to Him. He, could not, he would not reject one of His sons or daughters who connected to Him by faith. And so He put it on pause for the kids to come in as he's making the biggest deal in the world in the history of all creation. He's always the same, you know. It's just like, you know, even in my life, I I realize if I'm feeling pressure, my pressure or stress can cause me to, at times, yield that heavenly nature of the true Father and go into somebody that's a little bit more grumpy. You know what I mean? And it's not important that I don't let my kids watch rated R movies or listen to rap music and, and make sure that they, you know, memorize John 3.16, blah, blah, blah. It's more important that the nature of God is manifested through me for them so there's not a hypocrite in the house and that they, you know, and I know we all make mistakes. They drive us nuts sometimes. I mean, for you guys, not me. I'm totally, no, <laughs> they drive me nuts sometimes. You know, I'm just making a joke. But it's like, but at the same time, what's more important is sometimes, and me seeing this of him being in the utmost pressure and still stopping, boom, yeah. and always being constant who he was. Yeah. Come on, Jesus. And you have Bartimaeus, who his name literally means son of Timaeus. It's not even, he doesn't even have a name in the story. And some of the theologians will say, well, this means, uh, you know, his, his father was somebody famous, and so he's the son of a famous guy, and obviously he was, you know... But in reality, it's, it's like when he would say Simon Barjona, uh, Simon Peter, Simon Bar, son of Jonah, his dad. This guy's name was his lineage. 
Just like all of us have been born under the curse of this Adam. And we have this ability to step out of the lineage of Adam and into the lineage of our true father. This man is literally called son of Timaeus. It's like, dang, you don't even got a name. Let's call me like house son or herald son, my dad's name. Like, don't even call me Daniel, DT or whatever. Like, it's not, you know what I mean? It's like your name is the inheritance you're living under. And that's who they've got him as. His cloak is his identity, because that's another really interesting thing about this story. And I read this when I was really actually a young Christian. I was reading a book about this guy uh, or about his cloak that the beggars in those times, instead of having like, you know, qualifying for like government assistance or whatever, like you can do now, they would have a beggar's cloak and it would be it would symbolize like, hey, it's not somebody just asking you for money at the gas station and then they take it off and get in their jeep and drive home and laugh you know what i mean it's like if they have the cloak they're they've been they have a certain outfit that says okay by giving to them you are giving to a poor person it's not a scam did i articulate that in a way that's intelligible all right so anyway so he's wearing his cloak but as soon as he heard that he was called boom i take that thing off i'm done with you it's like yo buddy you ain't been touched yet you might want to hold on to that just in case he says it's going to be a few more years. You know, you know what I mean? But it's like something. When he heard that he had his attention, that he called him, it says he threw his cloak off. So here's Timaeus, son of Timaeus, an identity. And the cloak of the beggar, another identity that caused him to get his needs met. Because that's what almost all false identity is. To keep us safe. To, give us, to make us look a certain way in town or amongst our friends or... That old ex-boyfriend or girlfriend that we're trying to prove. See, I told you I'm doing good now. Ha! You missed it. You missed it. You know, whatever the dumb thing, the wound is that we can so easily fall into. Well, I know a lot of scripture. You know, gosh. You know, all those things just to kind of flex. Um, none of that's the identity. And it contorts the identity. Come on. And... John's over there talking about, I'm the disciple who Jesus loves. Like, no, you're the one who like, went to the transfiguration. You're the closest one. You're the only one that stayed through the cross. You're the revelator. John the revelator. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, it's like, you're that guy. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm just one that I, I reckon myself as, as the love, the beloved of God, the Jedediah. You know what I mean? I, I, that's, how I'm, that's how I saw myself. And then you got Saul coming through, becoming Paul, talking about saying, literally, reckon yourselves dead to sin. It's like, what do you mean? Consider yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. It's like, he, you know, they come saying these things. Ephesians 4.21, you've heard, you've heard him talking about Jesus, and you've been taught by him talking about Jesus, as the truth is in him, Jesus. He says, so put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In other words, like, what do you mean put off? I need, I need, a, I need a, a prayer line. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, take that thing off that at its root has been, has been an identity, has been a crutch to deal with things you don't deal with because you don't really know them, and throw it off like Bartimaeus threw it off. And I don't know what Bartimaeus' real name is. It doesn't really say. Um, but it's like he throws the thing off and actually comes to the Lord. And not only that, he actually follows him on his way which is another beautiful thing. It wasn't meet my needs so that I can have success and go back to my life. There was something that fully clicked. There was that yes in his heart that says, hey, I am down. 
I'm following you. I recognize who you are. A blind man, once again, so often through all the scriptures, the blind were leading the blind. That's what he called the religious people. But the, but the blind people get healed. And it was all for us. Because that's, I mean, and, and that's the point. This is what transforms. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 3.18. We transform as we see the Lord without a veil over our face, without a filter, without a grid. We're not seeing him through the, the lens of the mean football coach, pastor, the dad, the mom, the religious abuse that so many people have dealt with, you know, people robbing you for money for, for your promises and all this prophetic weird. You know, it's like without those veils, when we see him as he truly is, it unlocks something within us. We're the only religion where we're transformed by whom we see when we see him accurately. And that's the goal of the whole thing. I'm sitting there literally reading Jesus walking down the street thinking like, hey, this is what it looks like when I was dealing with tons of pressure. And this is the way I reacted to it. This is the way I react to you. You know what I mean? Not too much for me. I'm not over it. He's not like thinking like, man, I wish you would get it. I wish you guys would just get it already. If not, I'm going to pass it on to somebody else because you sure ain't. You know, you showed your tail for the last time. You just keep road raging or what, you know, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, hey, I want you to actually see me as I truly am. And you'll know that I'm that towards you. And it will free up your heart from that other image you've seen. And you'll see me as I am. And you'll manifest me as I am. It'll become your nature. It'll become your person. And it's the point. So I guess is that to say that the, the point of being indestructible and unkillable is to recognize the Lord? Well, I think that's the, the way that I went with that. But I do think that's, I do think there's something there in Christianity. Yeah. I think there's something to becoming so consumed with the revelation, because it's a revealed thing, of the love of God for, your, for yourself, yeah. the way He sees you. That instantly causes you to be out of the equation. So taken care of. It's like, what are the greatest commandments, Jesus said. The lawyers are asking him, really trying to trap him like always. You see Matthew 22. He says, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Because that's how he loves us. And the second one's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. But where there's self-hatred or self-disqualification, you know what I'm saying? The capacity to love our neighbor won't be there. You know what I'm saying? How, how often can you receive a word of encouragement of the Lord for somebody else and catch that inspiration and give it to them? But if it came for you, you'd have a hard time receiving it. Yeah. You know, maybe some of us. Yeah. 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 Maybe a lot. But the reality is we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. It's not a self-love you know, seminar about being a narcissistic person who's just selfish all the time. It's actually seeing God as He truly is and knowing how covered we are takes us out of the equation. Yeah. You know, took John out of the death line. Out of the oil. Yeah, out of the, out of the oil. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's like, yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. You're, you're past that. There, there, was, there was so little self-preservation there that he couldn't be destroyed. That's, That's interesting. And Bartimaeus sees it. I'll close with that. that. I feel that the blind Bartimaeus scenario 
is the reality of this eternal king. And, and the Holy Spirit is God on the earth now. He's, all over, he's on the earth now. And he's in all of us now. And this reality that he's there, and just like Bartimaeus, sometimes we can be sitting in a state we know we're not supposed to be in. But the answer there was, was to find him in that moment and recognize him and understand that he's actually calling out to us. And to be rid of the cloak. Amen. Like, this is not me. It's not you, so it's not me. Amen. Instead of like, well, I'm going to keep it just in case I need to put it back on. There was, a dis- there was a distinct, maybe a millisecond moment where it was just like, done with this, boom. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, that's that choice to follow. There's the voice. I'm following him. I'm going all in. Then it's like, boom, your sight, your faith has done this. You... You've connected to the eternal I am in this thing. By his stripes, you've been healed. He's not even whipped yet, but he's whipped before the foundation of the earth. Boom, the covenant is for you. So now you can go your own way. And it's like, hey, this is my way. Following you is my way. Pop, Papa, Abba, that's where I'm at now. And it's like, that is where you're at now. It's the answer. Lord, we thank you for, for the reality of your truth and the identity, the love with which you see us all. Lord, I ask that we would continually see you as you truly are. And even in that, that we would step into that transformation, that glory to glory, that we've been created in your image and that we are the beloved of God himself. Amen.